Welcome, everybody, to We All Speak in Poems. Uh, today, I'm sitting here with my co-host, Chantel. Hello. And we are, have the great pleasure of chatting with Liam Lalore, a uh, writer from here in Ontario, Canada. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Grateful to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah, we're really excited to dig into everything that, you know, you've worked on and are working on and everything. But before all that, I kind of just want to go, you know, from the beginning, like your whole writing career, if you want to say, like, when did that all kind of come to be? When did that start? That's an interesting question. Uh, (laughs) You know, I think actually you guys can probably relate to this one because there wasn't a day where I, I woke up and sort of realized I was, I was sort of doing this seriously, you know? It all it all starts out like play, I think. You kind of fall into it naturally as kind of a form of expression. I think I've I've always been into words in that way, but I probably in my mid-teens, you know, 15, 16, I started writing terrible, terrible poems <laughs> um, and always found myself frustrated, I think, by the way, um, I couldn't vocalize the things I, I felt. Um, that's teen angst for sure. But yeah, on top of sure. that, on top of that, um, I think I found writing to be some sort of remedy to that, even if at the time it was pretty rough and pretty young and not very good. So probably, you know, I'm 27 now. So I'd say I've been into it at least somewhat for 10 years. But seriously, the last four, the last oh, four. Wow. Yeah four or five years when you were first getting started at like such a young age what was your inspiration if if you had any or was it just kind of something you started yeah was there anybody who kind of introduced you to it as well I don't know if there was anybody I mean I think it's really just you know with music it might be a similar thing where you'd listen to something you love and so that sort of encourages you into the realm of the medium and I think it was probably like that for me. I don't know that anybody specifically teachers, but that was, I would say it was after I already knew I had an interest in writing that I I actually encountered some teachers in high school that were pretty influential. Um, but that's probably a pretty good answer, actually, is, is initially probably just an interest in fiction. I loved, I was one of those people that got really absorbed in a movie if it was a certain way where it really affected me, I'd go see it five, six, seven times. Oh, wow. Um, If I loved a book, you know, I I wouldn't read everything back then. I would just read what I loved. But when I loved it, I would read it, you know, three or four times. I'd read every, everything in the series if it was a series. And so those were, that was my inspiration, I think, just stuff I loved. And I felt the catharsis of the, of the stories as a reader. And I felt, man, if I could, if I could somehow get that, get to that place myself creatively how how rewarding would that be and then from there you kind of naturally find mentors i think in your space i had teachers in high school who were you know they weren't very status quo they were kind of out there hippies if you will you know i had one teacher that was always stressing appropriate to whom you know appropriate to whom because i had um you guys probably had a similar experience being from the area, but our, I don't know if you went to a Catholic school, I did. And our guidance counselors were, outside of being very evangelistic, um, they they were very much 
go to university for something that will make you money. Yeah. Go to university for something. And as an, as an artistic person or, or, you know, somebody who is unconsciously artistic, um, by interest and by drive, that's the last thing you want to hear. Yeah. So I remember being 17, 18 and, and talking to these guidance counselors saying, I'm really conflicted. I think I want a year off. And they would come to the classrooms and, and do these speeches to people saying, you got to, you got to apply to university if you don't apply now, you know, but I would go to their office. They had the alphabetical list of who you would go to. And I'd say, I'd sit down and say, I'm conflicted. I like, I like film. I like writing, but I don't want to ruin that um, by going to school. Yeah. And they would say that was an internal conflict for me, which I can get into in another, in another way um, or elaborate on later. But as far as that was concerned, their advice was always just pick something. And I always found that really counterintuitive and pretty, pretty annoying. Um, so I had a couple creative lit teachers. I got into the electives with creative literature. And one of the teachers always said, appropriate to whom, you know, the school system is not built for everybody. Yeah. You guys, you know, if you, if you love something artistic if you love something you know pursue it don't don't you know and so i was really inspired by figures like that i was lucky to have them um so that's a really long answer to your question but no, it's hard great. to say it's hard to pin it down you know yeah, but i'd say that's sure. kind of where it started do you have any specifics on like the movies and books like the fiction that you were into at the time i know it's kind of a question that no, might no. throw you off guard but it's pretty corny because when i was younger it was all the um Big standout. What was a big standout? I would be affected. I, I mean, I grew up loving like, you know, the typical superheroes. I love the Spider-Man movies. But I remember being really affected visually, um, almost like in a sensual sense by the movie Avatar when it came out. Oh, okay. Because I I think it's funny because now I'm in such a literary, like almost a contemporary literature state. Like I read a lot of like domestic literature where like mm -hmm. the premise if i give it to you is not going to be exciting but some of my favorite books now are just like domestic you know ordinary yeah. living sort of um you know, like dramas sort of um but the movies that kind of stick out in my mind and the stories that really got to my core when i was young are all these sci-fi movies i guess james cameron type movies where they managed to really you know, not not super highbrow, obviously, but managed to pluck emotions and and integrate them with different mediums, music, visuals, and kind of, I think actually, as I'm saying this, those types of movies, it was it was almost like they they allowed my my imagination to to come out, you know, um, yeah, because I think sense. I was I was very imaginative growing up, you know, a lot of time I had visualizing things. And you, you're very private about that when you're like that. Yeah. You're very private. You keep it inside. You kind of like protect it. But when you see something that almost aligns with what your imagination wishes were real or the things that your mind, you know, I think when you when that aligns with something you see or watch Avatar, I guess, as, a, as was a, when I was 17, it was something that aligned with where my headspace was. It just really affected me. And it was one of those movies I saw like eight times, even though I knew the story was derivative. You know, I knew it wasn't anything super intelligent. I guess the heart of it, plus the the visual, the force of it. Um, since there's been different movies as an adult, but I, if we're talking about beginning, I think it was all very basic and unexpected. 
as for inspiration and then you kind of grow i think you grow yeah. from there yeah that makes uh, sense yeah. absolutely yeah everybody has their sort of gateway movies mm-hmm. into getting more and more um you know artistic and you know less yeah blockbustery and all that stuff and yeah i think we both we both kind of um you know share the same yeah mindset there yeah Yeah. even even like you were saying like the domestic uh fiction like that you're reading that's kind of what i've been drawn towards too the more in quotes boring stuff that lets you Mm. really explore the way the author uh you know wants to explore the real world or whatever the existential the existential stuff the existential dread stuff yeah Yeah. exactly well and if you in my poetry book is very much about that stuff and again if you read that or you read the stuff i'm writing it's you would never guess avatar was potentially my gateway (laughs) into into my artistic self but in many ways it was i remember i joined a forum and i was like two thousand posts deep in this forum like part of this like cultist community online with these avatar fans (laughs) but it was you know it, it really was representative of this artistic kind of birth as a as a young kid with teen angst and just the, all the panoply of different you know issues that come along with growing up yeah um so anyway yeah that was that was kind of like that's what feels like the beginning to me absolutely and you know it's funny because i guess in the era that we grew up like we're both 26 now mm-hmm. um so we share you know the way that we grew up is probably pretty similar but oh, yeah. like yeah i remember when i when f- the movie cloverfield ca- first came out oh by, dude uh, yes 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 jj abrams um there's this huge online community of people who are just sharing their theories and and all this stuff and that's something about the internet that's been really great and so it's almost like fan fiction if you want to call it yeah. that but it's candid to the actual films and stuff and it's really cool just to be able to uh flex your creativity with um, you know, movies and books and everything that's already out there. It's really, really cool. Yeah, it helps you flesh out your values, you know, because in an artistic way, because you don't really understand why a movie touches you or why you liked it really until you can you can talk. And when you have friends who aren't into it, it's hard to talk, yeah. really talk it through. Or especially in my case, I had friends who, who just made fun of Avatar. Or, <laughs> you know, like, well, it's just, you know, I think at our age, yeah. it was kind of like nobody wanted to admit it. They liked the movie with the with the blue aliens. So <laughs> yeah. they'd admit it was cool, but it was hard to flesh out exactly what was going on. And when, like, I remember Cloverfield and uh, found footage, right? And yeah, everyone would watch that and they were like, oh, I can't watch. It makes me sick. Like motion sick and i remember thinking like what are you talking about it's so cool like how are you that's what i thought too how are you getting sick this is like so neat um because i really like that movie um i think i saw it in theaters maybe um i could be getting that wrong because when did it come out Uh, it came out in 2008 i think okay so maybe it wasn't old enough i don't think it was old enough because i would have been like 14 would have been grade 9 grade 10 because we would have been grade 8 grade 9 yeah Yeah. i I know i didn't see it in theaters but i did see the trailer in the theaters and that was oh yes they didn't even give the title or anything that's probably what i'm thinking of it was just all the found footage stuff compiled and then it just showed a date and i was like what is this that's amazing (laughs) yeah i love that movie yeah it was great but you know it's funny it's funny how like you said the internet can uh become a haven for people to take their sort of private obsessions and find people who share them and then figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, speaking of, are you still kind of a part of any, you know, poetry writers sort of um, group online or anything? Like, are you a Reddit user or whatever? So, so Reddit was always 
I was the final frontier and I've still not really gone into Reddit too much. I've made, I think I made an account just because, you know, they kind of always, whenever you're trying to read something on Reddit, it's always like, you know, use the app. So I made an account, but I've never really gone deep into Reddit. Even now, um, I think as far as online, it's, I've been a one platform sort of person with Instagram. And even that was kind of by accident. Um, Before that, probably Tumblr. But that always felt like, um, again, I never figured out fully how to navigate that as a creator. I always just was um, consuming the content um, on that. And I still think it's probably best suited for me that way. Um, I'm still, yeah, I'm still on Instagram. I'm less, you know, again, I was 23 or four when I got on Instagram for artistic you know exploration and since then it's it's certainly not the same i don't it doesn't align with the type of things i'm trying to achieve now but um there's a certain amount of fealty i think you owe to a platform that has given you opportunities and i still i still just use i try to use it to the best of my ability because like we might get into the internet is also a a place to be careful with yes how 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 deep you get involved with your self-esteem and with your um with your art yeah even just your creativity it affects it right mm-hmm. yeah and and i i only brought up that question like i'm not a i'm not a reddit user either i'm i'm kind no, of sure. shared the same uh headspace as you but i know i've definitely heard stories from other creatives being like this is how i you know um sort of edit my work i let other people hear it in these groups and I, I know it's just a haven for creativity. Sure. Yeah. No, it's got a lot of good. It's got a lot of good to it, right? A lot of usefulness. It's just, um, I think I meant that more like intrinsically too. Like you got to be careful. You got to moderate yourself. Um, Absolutely. And I, actually, yeah. I don't know how much, again, right? I don't, with music, I don't know if it's the same, but with writing, because you, you might even be able to see it the way that like people, certain accounts start one way and they'll shift as they go. But it, it's like, it's like conforming, you know, it's like anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's a whole different ball game, potentially discussion on the social media aspect, because that was also a beginning for me and uh, something I think I'm slowly moving away from. Yeah, for sure. As you mature as an artist or as I mature as an artist. Absolutely. Yeah. So going back, we're in high school. Um, your guidance counselors are kind of telling you to go for the money instead of your passions and stuff. Like, like, like us, we, yeah. we <laughs> identify with that for sure. Um, so did you end up going to school for like literature or, or writing? Or did you take or, a year off? Or, or? Yeah. Did you take a year off? Never went to school for writing and still haven't and don't intend to. I will explain. Oh, okay. I will explain. But um, I did take a year off and I, and I love taking that year off. And I, I was pretty much always sure I was going to. Maybe not for the not with the wisdom I have now. I think back then it was kind of like also embracing the potential of being able to stay at home and play video games and, you know, uh, hang out with my, I had had a best, my best friend. He, he was also taking a year off and you know that when you're in school for 18 unbroken years, basically. Yeah. Um, or continuous years, the idea that you don't have to go to school for anything longer than like six weeks is, 
you know? Um, and yeah, absolutely. More seriously, I did definitely want that time to try to think about what I wanted to do. Um, and after that year off, I, I went, um, I've been to school, I went to college, but it was for fitness and health. Um, oh. And uh, I, I ended up having a couple discussions with some family about it. And they, they gave me useful information. But also, again, I've always run into that roadblock of feeling like I'm a little more, um, I don't know what the right word is, liberal, open, like I'm a little, I'm, I'm never quite as conservative as a person I'm talking to when it comes to priorities. So yeah. I always run into the issue of, well, whatever you do, just make sure you can, you know, essentially yeah. make money. You can essentially yeah. make money. You can essentially do this. Um, and that's always the problem for me. It's always been an issue of, well, I'm never, you know, great. But if I don't do what I love, if I don't, if I don't pursue, it's like a, it's like a self awareness thing. If I don't ultimately pursue what I'm driven toward you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be miserable. And Absolutely, yeah. I think I've always run into with counsel, the, the difficulty of getting to the point where somebody will eventually say, yes, okay, great, great. But like, you know, you'll have to do something. Yeah. And um, I, it's like, uh, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And so my answer to that was kind of the fitness. And I've always been interested in, in health. And I was an athlete growing up semi-athlete playing soccer and i have a fascination in science i like science a lot specifically biology cool. it's just like really you know it's really interesting to um for you know for various reasons i don't know how much you guys like science but um <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um got into that and i figured i can pour my whatever energy i have to put aside for a career into that I was so sure that if I went for journalism, which is really only one, you know, one of maybe three feasible choices for writing in post-secondary school or career choice, um, I was like, you know what, I'm going to be writing for other people. I'm going to be grinding these, these words out and I'm going to lose a sense of why I do this anyway. You know, you're going to be yeah, spending all sense. day writing for other people. You're going to come home or you're going to hit a day off and you're going to have no energy to write for yourself. And yeah. I was so afraid of that. So I ultimately stayed away from going to school. And actually now it's to the point because I invested like, again, four years ago when I started taking this very seriously, I, I sort of went overboard and invested in different um, workshop, online workshop things and different books and stuff. But it's to the point now when I read the course outlines for certain things, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be learning nothing nothing new here yeah i'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna be spending three sense. grand for a term that that isn't going to teach me anything yeah um so it's been tricky because with writing i don't again music i'm not sure how it is with school and how things go but with writing it's very much like you can definitely get everything you need all the skills you need especially if you have a proclivity for it on your own if you're industrious enough um and you take it seriously yeah absolutely yeah i think that's for most of the arts, I would assume, like, I, I was in your spot as well. You know, I was very terrified that if I went to school for music, I wouldn't even want to do it anymore because it would be like a profession. It would be less of a passion. Sure. Uh, but then I ended up going for production. And although I didn't, I don't feel like I learned too much, it still concreted the fundamentals. Um, and, you know, it ended up not throwing away my passion, you know, uh, it was still there. I don't know if I could argue that it was worth it and all this stuff. But uh, 
but yeah, it's really interesting. So up until about four years, four years ago, when you started taking writing more seriously, were you working as like a health and fitness, uh, person? I don't know the positions yeah, of, yeah, that's of these, fair. but yeah, what, what were you doing up until then? So, uh, I went to school in 2016 for fitness and health promotion in Barry. So that was two years. So when I started writing, I was probably just getting into school. And at the time I was actually working retail. So before then I was working retail, um, part-time, full-time, depending. Um, and at the time, I think it was EB Games I was working at. Oh, cool. oh nice. Yeah. Cool. You know what? Great. It was so great. Um, outside <laughs> of the actual business, you know, yes. like again, being there and being surrounded by something that is a hobby and something you really enjoy um, was really cool. But ultimately not, not my future. So I went to school for fitness and health and then the goal being personal training. Um, the reason why you would go to school versus getting, I don't know how much you guys know about this, but there, you can get certifications over a weekend, um, with, with certain organizations to, to become a personal trainer. So why go the route of two years versus that, you know, in my head, it was thinking when you go to school, it gives you opportunities um, there are certain organizations that are, you know, potentially more credible or that have, that allow you, if you get certification through them, you're, you're able to do more meaningful work. Yeah. Um, and so two years of school allowed me to get certified through one of those organizations. It was a prerequisite. You needed, you needed schooling and, and fitness. And so I did that, went through all that and I worked at a clinic for a couple of years, uh, a rehab clinic oh, wow. as a strength Amazing. and conditioning coach. And that's like, when I thought about training people, you know, going to an LA fitness or a good life, again, writing, that's all I was thinking about. So it oh, was, wow. it was, I can't just go and live a vapid life during the day because that's going to drain me. And then when I come home, I'm going to be cynical and I'm not going to feel like writing about anything good or happy or, or, or redeeming in any way. So I've sort of tried to leverage the best possible outside life to the passion for for what I do by trying to make it meaningful. So I would go through, I went through the two years and did the certification so that I could really relate to people and take my time and use information to, to make them, to, to enrich their lives, opposed to only having half an hour to watch somebody on a treadmill um, yeah. at a corporate gym. And that's nothing, that's not to really, you know, put any, put anybody on an inferior thing. It's just the goal, you know, given my specific set of goals, goal you had. it's yeah. always been important sense for you. that something is meaningful. Um, but yeah. that's kind of always been myself. Even now I work as a, at a fitness facility in the, for, for the city of Barrie. And oh, wow. it's more meaningful potentially than, than doing other work it's also important to me that i don't have something that is more demanding than my writing yeah for sure i feel like that's like there's so many pros and cons to that but like it's so good that you have that self-awareness of what you really want in life like i feel like a lot of people including myself have a really hard time figuring that out and so they just end up doing like the regular nine to five and all of that passion and creativity just kind of wastes away and then there's so much regret that people hold and i feel like you're not going to feel that because you've been so self-aware from when you first started with your writing and stuff. And 
yeah, that's that's really good and that's motivating. Yeah, absolutely. Even even from back uh, once you graduated high school, having the courage to take that year off yeah. is something neither of us had. Yeah. Maybe we wanted it, but neither of us did take that year. Yeah, I wanted it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, I guess outside forces or whatever, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot well, of pressure Well, we're on young. That, but, we're uh, young, right? And the thing is, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I had the liberty. I had the liberty. Some people, a lot of my friends didn't. Their parents were very insisting. And, you know, you just, mm-hmm. some people just went because their friends were going. My best friend didn't go right away. And we might not have gone to the same school regardless, but it probably helped that he was around. So, yeah, it's, it's circumstantial and you definitely can't hold that against your, you know, your 17, 18 year old self. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it certainly feels more difficult to be self-aware sometimes than it does to be, than it does feel like, um, a grace, you know, cause again, you, mm-hmm. you get in all these conversations with people our age now about things and it's re- it can be very hard not to feel like you're compromising just to relate to them. Um, yeah. if that makes sense, like maybe I'm even more in, you know, in fairy tale land than than you guys are as far as my ideal, but it's certainly not about not wanting to work hard. It's just, obviously I'm very sure that there's one thing I've got to work really hard, pour my energy into. And then I try to find something to do and be useful at otherwise, but limited, but like at a, at a limit. Absolutely. If that makes sense at a bargain, like something, you know, like, part again i work monday through wednesday at this job and i have four days devoted for for art and i've managed to find that balance my lifestyle is very frugal (laughs) my lifestyle is very frugal but i you know i I match (laughs) it up i make it i make it work because and you guys can probably relate like the balance is very difficult especially in southern ontario yes yeah it's so expensive and (laughs) that's a reality and to be an artist you really do have to match your lifestyle to this sort of like priority yeah exactly and it's like you said it's not that you don't want to work hard because i can even relate back when i had uh before i quit my other job um even when you're there you're constantly thinking about it and then when you get home you're thinking about what you want to do on your days off so it's like it's almost like you're working yes over over yes 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 yes, you know what i mean um because your mind never gets to stop uh, yeah amen but uh, to that yes (laughs) yeah for sure um so getting into the the poetry four years ago, you decided it's time to take this a little bit more seriously. Where did you, where did you start with that? Tumblr, I think actually is oh, where amazing. I started with that okay. because that's where I saw all of these, these, um, what you might call trite, uh, short micro poems, uh, aphorisms of different varieties. And I, I guess I kind of thought, to myself, here's something that I could do in the meantime, because I, I think I felt some sort of deficiency with the things I was doing at the time. Like you might feel this now, like if you think about, if you guys think about however many years ago before whatever takes up your time now, I can't even imagine living my day to day without this now, without writing. Yeah. But that did that did exist for years. And so like I think about there must have been a point where I just realized that it was, I was lacking. Something was not not quite adding up as far as the, you know, what I was doing with my time. And so being on Tumblr, seeing that, I thought, okay, I'm going to, you know, like, let's write some. I was feeling emotional maybe one night. It was just like, let's write some stuff, get it on there. It was terrible, but whatever. 
started uh-huh. you know I, got, I remember getting like two i don't know what it is on tumblr likes or whatever it is but yeah, getting two or like, votes yeah. i don't remember what it is but getting a couple of those using hashtags and thinking like oh i'm a superstar this is great and <laughs> yeah for sure. but this is where it got tricky because part of me wishes my my writing my my first step into sharing my writing in a public domain was you know maybe not on the internet um yeah and yeah. i'm not saying i regret it i'm just saying in hindsight it's tricky because my first reward for putting my 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 art on the on the internet was a like so keep yeah. that in mind because again i went from that moved didn't really you know found instagram the little community of poetry on instagram that actually was very big rupee Carr was kind of growing at the time and there were a couple other poets yeah. and i started there i started making you know trying different editing apps and doing things and writing these these mostly about love loss you know the typical really easily to really easily accessible poems um and it was just poetry i obviously had an interest in 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 novels and things at the time but poetry i think for a new writer at least feels a lot more accessible because there's less, there's no rules. Um, the rules are the grammar, the punctuation, which is a real obstacle for a lot of people. Um, because there really are rules and there really is a thing about cadence with, with prose that is not there for poetry. Um, you know, you read a Rupi Carr poem and this is not again about inferiority, but you say anybody can read that and go, I could do that. And so if you feel connected to it, um, which I did at the time and still do, but like at the time that was where I connected to started writing online and really pushed. I started following people was commenting hashtags, trying to get featured in certain things. And, you know, you have some sense of self. I was realizing that again, I was able to write, I'm, I'm able to write things that are at least powerful to some people. Great. Um, but that's kind of how that started. And Instagram was really it. I never really tried going anywhere else with it. I kind of just day in, day out wrote these consumable poems for people online and started amassing a little a little following and uh, had the simultaneous experience of feeling validated and knowing that this is what I wanted to do. I this is this is like, you know, writing writing is definitely, definitely, definitely my thing. But then having that sort of like, you know, subconscious toxic obsession with validation on a platform that is inherently bad for art, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, long, long term, long term, we're talking long term, because it's great for a lot of things. But um, that came later, the lessons come later, for sure. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. So from there, like you built your collection of poetry and what made you kind of decide, okay, I have enough now. I'm ready to put them together as a collection. And like, what were the steps to figure out? Cause you self-published, right? Um, so what were the steps there that you took to do that? And did you ever seek publishing with a company or did you know from the beginning, like you wanted to do it on your own? So yeah, for a distant sun in, in particular. Yeah. Distant sun. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, my first, my first yeah. book technically was Folly and Bone and that was a few years back. Oh, and I did. I no, no, it's that. fine. I actually, I try to bury it. But uh, 
it's oh, not okay. <laughs> it's not actually a bad book it's just i think artists like, i don't know how you guys feel about old stuff you've done or anything but it's just this weird detachment thing where i think when you experience growth it's hard to look back on what you did and yeah. especially i'd say 2016 to 2018 was my sort of first go around the sun on instagram with this artist stuff and folly and bone was very much I have like 300 poems I've written on Instagram. Let's make some kind of book and just kind of throwing them on and having a really feeble pretense of, of a book. And I did hybrid publishing for that. So that's where you have, so traditional publishing is when you, you submit a manuscript, usually through an agent and you have um, a publishing house either accept or reject your work. And if they accept it, then they, they essentially take on all the risk. You know, they give you a high quality product. They get it in the stores, they market it. Um, and that's the dream for a lot of writers, but it's also because of all the risk and because of how things are, it's very difficult to, to go that way. And yeah. so at the time I just wanted this book out. I was like, this is going to be the best, you know? So I, I contacted this hybrid company, which essentially you pay them it's, it's, you know, they're not, they're not publishing your book based on quality. You know, there's no real, I could be writing a story about a shoe that's 20 pages long and they would publish it if I, if I paid them and had the right idea about it. You know what I mean? And so hybrid publishing is when you pay someone to make your book and they do all of the legwork, but you know, you've also paid them to do it. So that's what I did for yeah. first book. That was my first experience. And then through Instagram, again, this provided one of the better opportunities for me. I got in contact with this, this um, independent publisher from Vancouver, who is a traditional publishing house, Central Avenue. And I was able to submit and have published in a book, like a book that was traditionally published, traditionally marketed, um, a short story, and I think it was two or three poems. Um, oh, wow. yeah. And that was cool. That was the first time I was paid for writing. You know, that was a really That's oh, awesome. cool experience. And although I don't really connect or relate to that writing now, um, it's what drove me to with a distant son, understand that, okay, I could spend the next two years trying to get this accepted by a traditional publisher, knowing very well that my domestic concerns in these poems are not relevant to the cultural climate knowing that it's not a very, it's a very esoteric, very niche book, you know, similar to like, you know, how uh, an indie film at, at TIFF is not going to be a Hollywood blockbuster. Um, not yeah. that I want to compare my work like that to anything, but, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I know it's not necessarily yeah. going to be easy for anybody to say, well, we could sell hundreds of this book. And I thought, okay, I could really work hard at just trying to get somebody to accept this or, because I also do the graphic design stuff and I'm very much into my, I have a whole aesthetic sort of imagination about this stuff. And I thought, I have a vision for this book. I can make it myself. I'm going to do that. And awesome. that's, that's what I did. And I went through, you can, there's yeah. tons of stuff out there for self-publishing, but it's, it's actually, again, it, it, it's difficult to work out, especially if you want to do it well. Um, but I ended up going through, I think, Amazon's platform because it allowed me the most freedom. 
and it was also mostly free. A lot of the self-publishing, sometimes you have to pay these weird fees um, and give away more of your book royalty than you want. And Amazon has its, you know, it has its caveats too. Like most, um, like Indigo won't really touch self-published books that especially are done through Amazon because of the competition. So it'd be very hard for me to get my book in Indigo, even if I was able to get consignment or, you know, give them the best pitch ever, why they should have five copies of my book in their store. Yeah. The fact that it was done through KDP, Kindle, Amazon, I think is an automatic write-off. But I was able, you know, you were able to approach independent bookstores and do things that way. Um, but that's where a distant sun is at. It's, uh, it was, it was definitely a, a conscious choice to do it myself and see what that was like. For sure. And it, re- yeah. it, it was rewarding. It was a good, it was a good experience. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned the graphic design because I think that's something that really caught my eye when maybe you first po- posted about it. I think it's so minimal, which is like, you know, the two circles, which I'm assuming are the earth and the sun maybe. Um, yeah, but then even even the spine of it is like I don't know. I was just like, man, that's just gonna look good on Dude, the bookshelf. Yeah. You know? <laughs> hey, man, I like that because that's my thought. I thought it's something I I would love to have on my bookshelf. Yeah, and I can't be the one to judge how good it is, but I can at least try to give. I can try to guess what somebody similar to me would enjoy. Um, sure. and that's kind of where that where that came from. But I was also gonna say that again, like. I think the apple doesn't fall far from the tree in regards to similar likes and stuff because the album art for a lot of ambient music and especially yours is along the same lines. You know, it's that minimal, yeah. that minimal, almost like evocative but sparse composition of images or sure. lack of images. You know, it's yeah, something about that. Yeah, I, based on what you've been saying, I'm surprised by the amount of like parallels that are here like I self-released a lot of my music and started on social media and right from the get-go pretty much I was releasing my music from the pretty much the start luckily for me I could hide behind an alias so mm. nobody knew it was me <laughs> made it a lot e- easier to receive negative comments and, yeah yeah and sure even, even just to push off my old music and pretend it didn't exist um but yeah I think that's really really interesting actually that there are these parallels um in terms of you know putting together a distant sun, what what is the editing process like for you? Since you are self published, there's probably not as hectic of a editing process. But did you still go through that? It's it's agonizing, um, and it's ag- oh, it's yeah. agonizing not because the editing itself is tedious, because you know what you're looking for and you know what you don't want to be there. Or I should say, well, two two ways is agonizing. The first way it's agonizing is editing a book will take you days, potentially weeks. Yeah. And every day you wake up and you feel differently about what you've done and you want to change it and you want to change it. And I, I'll tell you what, if I, if you don't, if you didn't know in your heart that you had to finally be done, then you would just edit and nothing would ever come out. And that's the thing is like, I was changing it. So I was changing things so much, you know, as simple as a stanza, like one line in a poem, I might have two words in that stanza and I might the next day wake up and go, I want there to be one word there and bring the bring the word down to the next stanza and then I wake up the next day or even a few hours later go back and say no 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 put it back and stuff like that is not only time consuming but it also is difficult because it messes it, it has so much to do with the fabric of the emotional landing of the poem so 
you might read it. I might read it one way. This is why being so close to your work is really hard because yeah. I'll read it one way. And, you know, I might like the funny thing is so many of the poems that I, I wrote and when I read or finished writing, I like like a mic drop kind of like went, OK, that's it. You know, that's <laughs> it. Didn't end up in the book and did not end up in a final cut because I went back and read them and I went, that's awful. That's oh, really no. that's really terrible. So it's you see how counterintuitive it is to edit sometimes, and it's not it's not it, you're right in the way that it's actually very straightforward when it's just you, but it's agonizing because you're constantly wanting to change things. You never think it's good, you never think it's done enough. So biting the bullet and finally just going, okay, yes, done. That poem's done. Don't look at it ever again, and then moving on, kind of having that um, being able to let go of something when it's finished. I kind of worked through the book that way because I found myself lingering too long going back. Agonizing in another way because formatting is really hard if you've never done it before. And sometimes uploading PDFs, it just would mess it because when you upload it to the the software that takes the book and, and essentially gives you the preview of the print, it just wouldn't... It, you would have everything the way it should be. You would be using the right things and sometimes it just wouldn't work. And you go in and there'd be one poem that's just half on one page and half on the next page. Oh, wow. And so having to go back and redraft, that was a lot. Same thing with the cover. However, yeah. all worth it for me, definitely in the end. Um, and I yeah, love doing absolutely. it myself. You learn that way, right? You learn what, yeah. what really does constitute a final product and the things you have to pay attention to. Cause I guess what I thought about a table of contents and I thought, no way that's going to take me <laughs> way too long. And not that I ever even look for it myself when I read poetry. Um, but I thought a book should have a table of contents. And then I realized how long logistically it would take me to make a table of contents, especially with how I shift things around. And I thought, okay, I don't think so. Yeah, for sure. I don't think so for this. Yeah. I think we're going to just yeah. leave the table of contents out. It's going to be a surprise every page. <laughs> oh man amazing and that's an that's another parallel that, that you mentioned with music like so i guess you can kind of attribute the editing stage to the mixing stage of music um and i think it's so important whether you're a visual artist a poet or writer musician or whatever to figure out when a piece of work is done and just like you said never look at it again you know yes like that's probably one of the most important things because you can really get lost do you do you guys drown in your own do you guys uh, struggle with that is that hard with music uh i did for a long time um not so much anymore i think i know now when a song is pretty much done and i, I don't go the extra mile anymore um because i figure i can put that amount of uh you know time and effort into a new, another song you know, yeah, that's a good instead. way to look at it. I think that's also how I see it sometimes. Because you're not going to, it's not like that's your last song ever. Or it's not like yeah, that's my exactly. last poem ever. You can keep, you can keep doing that. And before I forget to say, I, I think I, I've been listening to you since 2017. Um, I think it's in a distance we're losing. Mm -hmm. Is that, oh, did yeah, I say that right? Losing, I yeah. think so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, but again, like I, I was explaining this the other day. I don't know because you, I think you might have talked to Mitch on Instagram, Mitch Burke. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we love it. Like that's that genre in general is beloved to us. But we talk about again, we talk about knowing you and talking to you and stuff. But I was, I was saying it's so funny because I had no, you have no idea when you find music, how big somebody is, how 
you know, I had no idea you were Canadian. I had no idea anything. I just, I, yeah. I found you in the bottom of the Apple music, you know, where it says related stuff. I think I was listening to hammock and a bunch of other, a bunch of other oh, artists, nice. um, slow meadow, you know, finding him, um, yeah. and finding, and then finding you through that and listening to in distance, we're losing and going, okay, adding this to the list of the people I check every few months to see if they have new music and amazing since then. And so it's, it's a bit like surreal to look back because again, music for me, so important for writing. It's like with film, music is the only way that I, I find a way to relate to the world outside of writing and meditation stuff is super important, but you know, it's always been so incredible to me how like when you're an artist making music, you are achieving or working to the same end that I'm working with, with words. You're trying to yeah. evoke, you're trying to compose in a way that is not overstated, but also powerful. Um, and more than that, trying to make something you like, but um, ambient, the ambient genre, but is, is so has been so mind blowing creatively for me for that, because it's just so understated and music for so many people is overstated with lyrics, yeah. um, big orchestral pieces. So to just use drone or synth or, or different things to really, to kind of take your heart in a journey, like, you know, had it, it has been the best, the best music for my writing, but specifically to give you, to give you props, man, I've been, I've been following the music for a really, really long time, legitimately. So when we connected on Instagram, I don't remember. I might have even followed you first because I'd been listening, but I don't recall. Um, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I think your favorite one for me is "You Were Always an Island." Oh yeah, um, that's. I think that's my favorite. Not that any of them are exceptionally worse or below that, but I think that one stands out to me. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you so much, man. Yeah, it's really cool. It's it's weird to hear that. Um, you know, in in person, I guess, face to face, at least, um, because a lot of the time, a lot of my work, probably like your own is just strictly online. You know, mm -hmm. you hear comments from people online, not so much in, in person, other than maybe family and stuff. Right. Um, and you almost you almost cringe when you when you hear it in person. But yeah, thank you. Oh, of really course. Cool. I know. I know um, it's hard. Listen, as an artist, I know it's hard to accept compliments. Um, it's hard to like take that. I actually feel like it's harder to take that than criticism. I'd rather someone sit there and go, Absolutely. Hey man, what the, what the hell were you doing there? Like, or what, what does this mean? <laughs> then I can talk about the structure and go, okay, okay. Well, this is what I was thinking. But when someone sits there and says, you know, if someone were to walk up, my biggest fear is somebody walk up to me in tears and say, you you know, your work, it was so beautiful. And I'm just, Aww. you know, because what do you say? And also you're so, yeah. it's such an inward piece of work. So you don't have to explain that to me at all. I totally get it. But and it, genuinely, though, I just wanted to say that. Oh, thank you so much, man. I, I feel like that's a great segue into uh, like your relationship with music in general. What do you find? What did you grow up with? What do you find yourself listening to and, and all that? So I was force fed classic rock growing up. Um, so always made a conscious effort to stay away from that, although I do have my appreciation for it, um, like anybody, you know, but I would say for myself, actually not too far my first music was probably the punk punk rock i remember my first ever album that i owned might have been two or three of them it might have either been three days grace it might have been fallout boy 
from under cork tree or uh sitting color wow oh, amazing. Those are the same as me <laughs> yeah so crazy but like uh so whatever maybe whatever was on much music uh, but at the same time yeah. i like simple plan yellow car, like i was dance yeah. but when i was really young i my my sister she we had this stereo in the on the upper landing of our house and she would have all these cds and i would have cds I, oh i loved creed um oh yeah i loved creed i loved uh chumbawamba uh oh yeah oh uh, god like shameless just whatever sounded good when you were really i'm talking really young like i mean like six or seven yeah but when i started developing some sort of personal taste it was very much the punk rock sort of stuff like the yeah like the yellow card the the simple plan i was never really a green day guy but i sort of have moved over the years in between things you know some pop some pop rock stuff some really emo stuff when i was like 14 but i've matured into sort of this thing where i like any music that is either telling me a story or giving me oh, i've never had to think of the word before let me find okay so either telling a story offering me emotion or bringing out of me emotion That's and what you said. Yeah. Wow. the third one it's kind of like you know when you hear a song that maybe has no substance maybe their lyrics the lyrics matter zero but the, the way they've composed the song or the way the song is it's just like you have to listen to it again or you have to, you know, you have to keep maybe catchy is the word, but not really. I feel like that's too cheap. It's like you flow with it. Yeah. It's got a, it almost, it just yeah. suits you. You listen to a song yeah. you're like, that suits who I am right now. I'm going to listen to that. And so, yeah. absolutely. so I've kind of matured into music. That's kind of one of those three things, but primarily like, I love John Hopkins, electronic music. Like if you, I'm sure you guys know of John Hopkins, if you don't, but it's, like rival consoles, Max Cooper, um, these electronic artists who do sort of like what ambient music is. They do these kind of rising, lowering, like compositions of electronic music. It's not the Skrillex stuff. Um, it's, it's a lot more, it's good for meditation, but it's also just, it takes your mind in a certain way. And so that might be up there. Ambient music, of course, you know, like, again, I said, you slow meadow hammock, um, uh one victory for the sullen one wing victory for the sullen like oh, all yeah. these oh, like literally yeah. hundreds man and because there's hundreds i i rate the second i feel like i'm panicking because i can't think of all the different <laughs> ambient artists i listen to um, i don't know how that feels and uh probably indie rock the national was a favorite of mine for so long for writing lyrically um tom york from radiohead oh yeah um a little all over, but I love, like, I like Frank Ocean, you know, I like um, Blood Orange. Um, I like some hip hop. It's just, it's got to have substance. And sometimes I feel like yeah. with hip hop, it's hard because I can't relate or it doesn't have the substance that I'm, I'm particularly identifying with. I'm trying to be better at and open with music, um, but been so important for me creatively. I can't, um, when I'm writing, sometimes I'll be sitting here and I just have to turn the music off. I'm writing and I just can't focus. But so often I, I have to have music on. And when I'm reading, it's either ambient or piano. That's the same with us. Because I, I tell myself I can't focus with lyrics. <laughs> Although I think I probably could if I just focused on the page enough. That's probably more a sign of me being unable to discipline my, my attention. But ambient or, or electronic or piano when I'm 
doing that. And when I'm writing, it can be anything, but it's typically also also ambient or experimental or something, something creative. That's really interesting the way you worded that. Like when you're reading, you can't listen to music with lyrics because you feel like you can't discipline yourself enough to ignore the lyrics. Whereas I've always just been like, I can't listen to music that has lyrics while I'm reading because that's there's too many words like overlapping and I feel like I would just get confused I would mix up the story with like the song sure but I've never even considered like you know forcing myself to like just just try (laughs) yeah yeah. I've always thought about it that that way too like it's almost two clashing disciplines like both of them are trying to tell you like get you into this world and they can't both be doing it at the same time. Yeah, well, and, that would be yeah. really interesting to kind of train yourself to do. Yeah, well, and it also feels like a bit of a waste depending on the album because you know you're basically not listening, and yeah. to some degree, and you want to hear the lyrics. But yeah, no, don't let me rub off because so much of me is being with writing is is <laughs> being really hard on myself for focus and discipline because, like with probably composing music or anything, anything artistic, the hardest part is sitting down and starting. And then staying with it. Yeah. And I, it's the, a big thing in my life that's been hard to land with people, that's been hard to express is like how, detri- how destructive distraction is when you're trying to get to your stage, you know, when you're yeah, trying to get absolutely. to the stage. And it's not anyone's fault and life happens and you always feel like, you know, a bit of an asshole when it's like you're in a bad mood because you couldn't get to that place today. But I'm always trying to find reasons why maybe I could be better at it, be more focused, be more disciplined, um, if that makes sense. So you'll see. Yeah, you probably have caught on. I'm Again, it always comes back to, well, maybe I can do it better. Never mind it just being a natural difference of attention. Anyway. Do you find that having that personality trait while being a creative gives you more struggle because I feel like a lot like there's certain people that are creative where like it just comes so naturally to them like they don't even have to try and it's like there you go and then there's people you know that really have to kind of find the time and set it aside and give themselves rules when they're working on whatever it is they're working on and it's just so interesting like does that make the creativity less or like, do you feel less inspired in that moment because you're putting so much force into yes. it? Is that, I don't know no, if I'm no, no, wording yes, that yes, right. Yes, 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 or yes. I'm not meaning to offend you're not in offending. any way, this but is, I'm just this interested. Is very, these are all very pertinent questions and ones that I, I've already asked okay. myself a million times. And I think the answer is yes, <laughs> it's detrimental because, you know, there are a hundred quotes that if I was more mindful, I could pull from the writers I love that talk about this. But it's really, it comes down to when you try too hard, you will always make something you're not proud of. And it's Mm. unfortunate because I have such a busy mind. So it's very hard not to, while doing things, also be obsessed with doing them perfectly. um, Yeah. Or thinking about ways, things that I'm not doing, or things that aren't what so when I'm writing or doing stuff. Sometimes it feels like I can only do short bursts, because so much energy is being spent creatively, but then also on self criticism or something literally anything else it's very distracting and honestly it's kind of come to the realization that you really do like i never bought into it but it really does sometimes like just don't try like just kind of let like definitely don't don't uh, it's it's hard because for me the balance there's a spectrum and i don't want to fall too much into just going on the structures that i've been fed you know because if you don't try and you're not thinking enough, then sometimes you'll just write something derivative or you'll write something that maybe isn't Mm -hmm. very, doesn't have anything in it. It's just, you know, it's just thin. It's there. It's not, it's not really substantial. 
But if you try too hard, then you have this weird, pretentious, pedantic, potentially like un, un, inaccessible piece of nonsense that someone's going to read and want to burn. So somewhere in the middle is kind of where I try to get to. And it can be very, very hard when you want to be sort of tearing yourself down every 30 seconds. You know, like I'll be I'll literally be sitting here writing and I'm going, you know, what the hell are you doing? Like, what, what are you doing? You, think, you know, like, what, what are yeah. you doing? And because everyone else that you know is working a nine to five or a 12 hour shift doing this and, you know, you're sitting at your desk writing fiction and you just there's always that there's that part of you that's like you're just playing. You're just playing, dude. You can yeah. you can tell yourself all you want that, you know, this is this is what you're meant for and things, but there's, this is, and this is not to say this is how it is. I'm just saying, this is what you contend with, I think, or I contend with. Yeah. Um, always trying to legitimize what you're doing or at least to yourself. Still, still working through that. And I think on the best days, it's just self-acceptance and ease, put the music on, sit down and just try to be honest. But on bad days, it's like you sit here with your, your brows knit and it's just like you know you can't get through you can't get through yourself to to the art that you're trying to make you know do you find that like because you went to school for health and fitness i'm sure you learned about meditation and just ways to kind of reaffirm yourself that like affirmations and whatnot do you find that you've learned that in school and you still use it now or or is that something that you kind of taught yourself because you recognized these blockages that you had i think it's more self-taught it's actually really unfortunate that's it's a good point because in school i always thought there could be more room for that the the mindfulness okay yeah it's obviously there for stress like we talk about stress you talk about ways to relieve stress, but you never get into, there's never, there's not a course or um, a class devoted to specifically meditation or how to mm-hmm. connect with your, your thoughts, how to deal with them, how to let them cycle, how to, how do you know? I'm surprised about that. I thought there would have been like a mind body thing. It's, yeah. <laughs> and it's very, well, and that's what I probably wanted more of. Um, but it is very much like, again, like schooling typically is, it's focused pragmatically. So you're really only learning about skills that will help you if you were running your own business and how you can help people if they're stressed, what, what exercises, how it works, how biology works, how it works scientifically, but not so much in the, in the, um, metaphysical way, um, or in the existential emotional realm. Like, because I guess that's probably, my teachers, you know, maybe that would have been too counsel-y. They would start, you know, they they would have had to mm. adopt a role of kind of like talking about, you know, personal struggle and how many of you are this. And maybe they just, it was never in the curriculum for that reason. One thing I did adopt from all that education is how important it is to move your body. Um, and so yeah. every day I've got a routine where, you, you know, I don't, you know, I've sort of moved away from picking up barbells, picking up heavy things and putting them over my head and so on. But Moving your body, stretching mobility is so important. It gives you such a release. Sometimes all that tension is just you haven't moved. You haven't moved enough. You know, you're just sitting. Yeah. You're just hunched over. You know that. And it affects your mind yes. for sure, and your creativity, yes. right? But the the yeah. meditation stuff definitely just realize that there's too many wires crossing, like, and it's too yeah. it's too busy, and I need to find ways to slow it down. Breathing is huge for me as well. Um, that's something I need so to practice hard. More, it's so, so hard. Yeah. It's so hard. <laughs> it is hard because you practice, might you might control yeah. it and then 
second later when you're not thinking it's back to what it was. Yeah. So, but it was definitely not directed. Like there wasn't enough of that in school. I found, I wish there was more. It's very interesting. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Very, very interesting. Cause you, like you said, you'd expect there to be, you know, maybe a whole class on just like mental, um, health. Well, it's not even mental health. I'm just talking about like the mind and body connection. Like I feel like, I don't know if I'm being too extravagant here with this thought, but I feel like there's like a huge thing with like mm-hmm. your mind and body, like the way yeah. that your mind talks to even just your digestive system and the flow of your breathing, sure. like you were yeah. saying, it like is. it's all it connected, is. you know? So yeah, I'm surprised that there wasn't. There isn't a lot. And the mental health, um, it, it actually is there. They talk about how to, how to kind of counsel it and they call it like client counseling where, when okay. you have, neuro, you know, potentially neurotic clients and, people with different things, how to cater to their personalities and do these things and be professional. But yeah, you learn about the kinetic, how things are kinetic and symbiotic, but not really, you'd never cross the threshold into subjective experience. You know, it's always very much, Mm -hmm. it's very scientific and very like, this is what you might encounter, but it's never like, Yeah. yeah, it's, you're not, you're not getting carried away. It's just, I think it's the wrong I think I realized that if you have those expectations going to college for those types of things, you're in the wrong place. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it would just, yeah, depend on that. But I wish there was more. But anyway, it's, it's, it's kind of been a self adopted practice. I think I would have been, you know, I don't even want to imagine without meditation. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's helped a lot with your creativity and your writing and just you (laughs) in general, you know? Yep. It takes a lot of practice though. Like super... I'm still, I feel like I'm still super, I'm still an amateur, you know, like sometimes I have a really good meditation session. And sometimes it's like, again, you if you guys do it, you probably, there might be half an hour, an hour pass and you still haven't, you know, controlled your breathing. You still haven't even like gotten, gotten through yourself, but. Which is so funny to like, think about being an amateur talking about meditation and like controlling breath and just even your thoughts. Cause it's like, you're being an amateur at your own with your own body like it's not yeah. even like i don't know it's just it's yeah, i don't know it's, it's something that almost should be second nature yeah, but you were never taught as a kid like exactly. how to just sit down and breathe and just yeah. mental wellness you know just how to relax and just that's right get through it you know i work right. in childcare, and it's something that we really try and teach the kids is like you know if they're throwing a tantrum instead of just asking them to stop or ignore them like you know we sit with them and we show them like how to breathe and how to relax and we i i sat there today with one of my kids actually and i was just like what do you see around you and i was trying to ground her like getting her to name objects that she saw around her as as a grounding technique and it's like i think it's something I've noticed too, a lot of parents nowadays have adopted that into their um, parenting, but I think it's something that should be taught from a young age because then I feel like it comes more naturally when you really need it in your adulthood, Mm -hmm. when you're going through stressful times and trying to figure things out. So important. So important. Yeah. Yeah. Especially now, like, I don't want to get too far into this because I know it's a whole other conversation. We've kind of gone off topic here, sorry. No, no, that's okay. Growing up with social media, like anybody from all over the world has the ability to scrutinize whatever you do. And as a kid now, like imagine you were uh, preteen, like 10 to 13 growing up. I know we had the early adoptions of it, but now with it's just so much more widespread. I'm, I'm sure kids just 
I wouldn't be able to handle it. Yeah, you're sharing a glimpse of your life and people are, are claiming things that they don't even know about you. And it's like, how do you even go through your day with those comments? And, oh, it's terrible. It's such, yeah. there's, there's a discrepancy, there's a disconnection, I think. I think as a kid, yeah. like I, ne- I was never taught, I was never guided. So I think some people miss out on the ability to really become themselves from a young age. And I certainly was never taught led in such a way that was like, this is how you live as an artist. You know, this is how you exist as an artist. These are the the values that you are important. These are the things you should, these are the skills you should take and foster. So it's taken it like it's almost, it's just like this struggle of hitting walls and then naturally, or maybe not naturally finding ways to get to solutions. So meditation and nature, it's like, why, you know, why didn't I know that that walks were going to be so important to me? Why didn't I know? Yeah. Why didn't I know that I could sit down in front of a tree and 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 look at its bark for an hour and that would give me a better experience than talking to some people? Um, you know, why why isn't that something more pervasive as yeah. as we grow up? Why can't why can't we teach patience and not just one form of patience, but the suitable form of patience for everybody. And of course, we're all very, we're in a certain bias group being artistic and having the things like we like nature, you know, we love nature, we love slow, quiet things and sensitive Mm -hmm. to emotions. And some people obviously are not that way. Yeah, Yeah, very true. But still, I feel at large, a lot of people, especially young people with the social media, we grew up with it, but them more than us now. And I don't think there's enough there for them to really feel like they can they can expand as individuals outside of whatever yeah. their virtual identity is. Yeah, exactly. Like I feel like when we were growing up, maybe we had Facebook. But it was just your close friends exactly. and family. In, in mm-hmm. your town, if somebody yeah. you didn't know was commenting on your stuff, you still had a friend who knew that friend, even yes. if they were bullying or whatever. Yeah. Now it's global, like completely. Yeah. And parents were a lot more on, like, at least us growing up. Like, I remember, like, if someone commented on something and my dad didn't know the name, he'd be like, who is that? Block them. Like, what? what is happening? <laughs> yeah, for some reason, I kind you of know? doubt, like, a, a parent is following their child probably, on tiktok the kids now. probably don't even let them follow they yeah. really don't even know yeah. well, <laughs> or they have it privated or <laughs> and the parents like what do the parents do it's so hard exactly in any yeah. way for myself with the writing g- gaining a lot of followers and having that interaction the thing with social media it's always a cycle you are it's you're always going to fall out of favor in the cycle that's how these things work you know you unless you continuously sell yourself to the current flavor you will eventually come out of that. And then how do you deal with that on a, mentally? Yeah. How do you go from getting the validation from from being affirmed or having this new experience of, of feeling valuable to then suddenly having less of that or having it fall off rather, you know, sharply and still cope with yourself with these new with these new things? And that's the danger, I think, with social media, especially if you're trying to be viral or you're trying to be popular. And it's a totally, it's a whole nother hour if, if I was going to talk about the, yeah. <laughs> the social media art scene and how to do all that stuff. But anyway, it's just, it's really, it's really challenging and not just for kids, uh, for us, for mm-hmm. anybody. The internet is, is a yeah. mercurial place and we have to be have to be careful yeah we'll have to have you on again to kind of delve more just into social media um but just to kind of close it up because i know it has gone a little bit long (laughs) Um, oh yeah 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 (laughs) yeah. 
Um, we just wanted to ask a little bit about your own podcast that you have and your book club that you've started. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, so so I've sort of tried trying to move away from social media, or at least it's funny because I guess it's still social media. Trying to move away from Instagram. <laughs> um, Patreon has has become has sort of been this thing. I I think I tried to make it a couple years ago. Way too many bells and whistles. Sort of realized like, oh man, like. Now I'll just try to get some more likes on Instagram or whatever it is. But Patreon, I realized, I thought, this is a space where I can really work hard and give my give my art to those who really want it. And that's where I came up with the, the different incentives for that Patreon, not just my writing, but potentially other experiences. And that's mm-hmm. my podcast is a one man show right now. But that's where this, you know, I, I invest in some equipment. And it's really just like we've been talking about, and like my book is about just the substance is really just existential, you know, different yep. things that you might solipsistically encounter. So like in your own mind to yourself, your identity, and then how, how a lot of those things relate to other people. Some on art, you know, I'm trying to find ideas that aren't just coming from me, you know, potentially seeing about trying to get it expanded, but I'm also like just so unconcerned with growth in the traditional sense, you know, I'm only concerned with, is this valuable? Is there anything valuable here for somebody? And if I think there is, or I hear from one person there is, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Um, That's a beautiful mindset to have. Yeah. And with, with writing, it's gotta be the same thing now because I was so, you get so fed up with that feeling like the only value you have is on the feedback or the potential acceptance of it. So, so that's, that's kind of what that is now. New ventures, kind of these self-directed ventures. I'm almost writing exclusively nonfiction and fiction now. Poetry for Patreon. Every, every couple of weeks, I'll have a new poem on there. But I sort of stay away from poetry as I try to focus on prose writing. Oh, amazing. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's, um, you know, I probably painted a pretty dire picture of 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 being a, being a writer. It's a lot of like, it sounds like a lot of self-sabotage and tortured living, but you know, <laughs> it's not really. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's just important to, for people to be able to hear, you know, the story of, of you or whatever, and yeah. like, just to be able to relate, even if they're not, you know, mm-hmm. a typical poetry reader or writer or whatever, the fact that we can all relate to each other as artists or as people that just enjoy art and, music even mm-hmm. you know we're all we're all just doing the same thing for real we are yeah. we are just yeah. doing the same thing and i would just say you don't have to you don't have to make money to be successful yes yeah you don't have to impress people to be successful mm-hmm. um you just have to be sincere absolutely yeah, yeah i completely you just have to be sincere that. you just have to be sincere and you have to be open and accept and accepting and yeah. that's that's something i can say simply now and fail to live up to every single day but you know i think that's it really is that simple and if i if if a guidance counselor had sat me down when i was 17 years old and said that i don't know that my life would be better or any different but i certainly would have appreciated it then yeah absolutely yeah that's very beautiful to hear you know sometimes you just don't hear that other than in your own head and sometimes you don't believe it yeah right Mm -hmm. but um yeah i think that's pretty much the perfect i have one more question you have another question. oh perfect perfect yeah let's keep going. i want to know a little bit more about the fiction you've been writing like, sure is no, anything hey, no released? problem no problem is anything is anything released like through your patreon or even just on instagram like have you done anything on there with it or you're just kind of keeping it for now to yourself 
a bit of a bit of both. So yes, okay. I have some. I have stuff on Patreon that I've been releasing to um, my patrons on there, and I've been keeping all that stuff of, off of Instagram for the most part because, like I've sort of touched on, I don't think it's the right medium. Um, but I do plan on having books, obviously. Okay. So. I'm working on that. It's sort of amorphous at this time. Like never, I start, I'll write 10 pages of a story and then go work on something else. And it's, it's, it's a process as I'm, yeah. I'm sure we're all aware, but yes, definitely active with the pros and the fiction and the nonfiction. I have like in my book with the, the forays, which are kind of these, these, you know, they're not, they're like personal essays, but almost like just compositions, some way poetic prose. But I, I have nonfiction, which are, you know, again, emotional essays. And then I have the fiction, which is which is anything creative. It could be stories for sure, but about anything, you okay. know, sci-fi, domestic, different things. And oh, but the big thing for me is just trying to find that unsayable thing inside myself and say it over and over again and in a hundred different ways in my lifetime, in my writing. That's what I try to do. Wow. And it's, it's, I always say art is at, at the, at the very least, um, art is difficult and inspiring and at its best, it's impossible. It's yeah. impossible. Yeah. You know, the very best art you've ever encountered and consumed, you, you'll never see it again. And the fact that it even exists is a bit of a, you know, at least that's how it feels to me, you know? So yeah. And they didn't get there by trying too hard. Um, it's not an accident they got there. And so it's just, I think, I think with my, with Patreon, with different things, it's just another way for me to try to, to align myself with a lifestyle that is like self-realized. Maybe that's the right word for all this, being self-realized. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah this has been a great so, conversation. I just want to say that. Thank yeah. you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. You. We've had fun too. And yeah. I guess I jumped the gun because I have other questions too. Sure, sure. If you have <laughs> no, time. No problem. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to know if you're like goal oriented or if you're just kind of flowing with it. But like, where do you, do you see yourself just focusing on the fiction and, and trying to, you know, just push your writing? Or is there other things that you're also wanting to do at the same time? Or like, what are your ambitions <laughs> yeah no that's you know what that's that's the that's a terrifying question but it's yeah. <laughs> you know what it's a good question and actually it's a bit it's again a bit of both because with writing i try to stay away from being really specifically goal oriented because i feel like it, it i become too myopic as far as like i have to do this one thing and i have to stick to doing this one thing opposed to when i'm in an open headspace feeling like i can pursue multiple projects and potentially one of them coming out of left field and becoming a main, a main project. That's not always the most productive way to get things done because again, you get, you get a little bit into different things and not always all the way through something, but I try to stay away from being too linear goal wise with writing. But I think to some degree you have to be, have some goal orientation because otherwise nothing really gets finished. Um, the goal is discipline, essentially, I think, with writing. It's always like find something that's interesting, find something that's that you you have emotion in, and then finish it. And as far as everything else, I struggle with the ambitions of domestic life. You know, I've been with my, me and my girlfriend where, you know, I think I think it's nine years almost this year. Wow. And wow. 
we're, we want to we want to yeah. move it thank you i you know i always i guess that's an achievement i don't know um but yeah. absolutely we're trying to find you know we want to move into a home um the sim you know the same things that most people our age are looking to do but as a writer, being a selfish, you know, whatever you want to call me with my <laughs> with my writing life, it can be very hard to balance the ambitions of the outside world or of the external infrastructure with the intrinsic need. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but we work there slowly and I'm blessed because she's patient with me, at least sometimes. And that's fair. <laughs> and uh, likewise, the thing about me with that is, though, I'm on no timeline. You know, I, I could live in a box. I, you know, find a comfortable box with a window view and I'm good. Um, Amazing. But we do have things we want. You know, we have things we'd like to see. I'd like yeah, to have a, you know, I love my girlfriend loves to garden and I love to see her garden and I like to see that. I'm so interested by flowers and things and I'd love to have that, but you need property for that and you have to buy property. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's tricky because then you have to make money and is writing making you tons of money? No, but you know, then you have to go outside of yourself and understand other people that you love have needs. And when we talk about goals like that, I have 150 and slowly working toward achieving those, but very aware that if I don't keep myself center to my needs everything else will fall apart so it's it's tricky it's 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 a tricky game for sure that's amazing though it seems like it's almost refreshing to hear your goals are more aren't like quantitative they're not quantitative yeah. they're more like working on yourself yeah. and making yourself the, the best person you want yes. to be yeah. and it's not something you hear very much especially yeah. even even with artists actually everybody's focused on the numbers focused mm -hmm. on the money and I don't know. It's really refreshing it to hear. Is. I love it. It's inspiring. Yeah, well, it is very hey, inspiring. It makes me want to work on myself. Well, <laughs> and listen, everybody's got their own incentives. I think for me, it's just if you told me I never, I'd never make another, I'd never make a dollar on anything I ever wrote. Maybe I would change some of what I was doing right now to some degree, but I would still write every day, and it would still be the center of my life because it's the only way I can make sense of anything. And like for example, with my with my girlfriend. There's, there's so many times we'll get in an argument and we'll get into something and I just can't, busy mind, you know, I just can't, I, I get stuck. I don't know how to say something. And writing is how I, how I express what I'm trying to, trying to say. I might, I might, might be a text message or I might write it down and I'll say, Hey, can you read this? Or I'll send it to her and she can read it. <laughs> That's amazing. And it's my way of communicating. So I think when you have something like that in your life, it doesn't, you can't put a, a dollar sign on it. And maybe you have to question your intentions if you have to do that, if you have to do that. Um, but I, you know, I'm very aware that I'm, it's everything comes from inside of me and I can't fully perceive someone else's, you know, cause there, there are seminal writers on these, on the shelves behind me that maybe only cared about money and they wrote beautiful stories. Yeah, for sure. They wrote beautiful stories mm -hmm. and amazing works. And maybe they just had the right mix of different traits. But for me, yeah, just, it can never be about that. And I'm more interested in, it's more interesting to hear about people that have different goals, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it sounds like, I mean, even like you're saying when, Sometimes if you get in an argument with your significant other, though, you'll stop and pause and write down what you want to say instead of blowing up. Like, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people wish that, that they I never could do, do that. that wish yeah, they had the yeah. self. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But even even as like a sort of making up yes. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's very, uh, 
yeah it's just inspiring it's makes you want to be a better person almost and yeah work on yourself almost completely completely yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well that's great to hear but you know it's all it's like i don't know i always feel this need to say everybody is different you know and everybody has these different things mm-hmm. and for example like the way i could never properly explain how music or for example and in a moment how your song i could never properly explain how in in a moment listening to your music makes me feel and how it fundamentally shapes that moment for me, I just lost my train of thought as I was saying that. <laughs> but <laughs> no. the way, no, but no, okay, okay, sorry, sorry. So how I can't, pers- I can't properly explain that to you. Other people can't explain their own, you know, intrinsic sufferings and goals and things. And and yeah. sometimes what we see is not really what's there. And I try to give that faith to people, you know. So if somebody walked up to me Absolutely. and said, "I'm a writer. I want to be rich." I'm not necessarily going to say, "I've got no time for you." You know, maybe there's something else there. Maybe that's just how they're interacting with the world at this time. And that's how they know how. And who knows what they're going to be in a year or who knows what else is there. But I love that. Yeah. We'll definitely have to have you on again. Sure. There's still so much more to talk about. A hundred percent. But yeah, uh, I guess I'll do the outro. Sure. Okay. <laughs> and to everybody who's listening, thank you so much. Um, I hope that you go and explore Liam's writing and go to his Patreon you know, sign up for his Patreon support Support and buy. And, you know, with that being said, also go down your favorite artist rabbit hole and support your favorite artists and just, yeah. Can I give one book a shout out, please? Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Okay. I I do have to find it in my bookshelf. So give me one second. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Raymond Carver, read anything by him, but call me if you need me. Um, is one of his collections of short fiction, but it changed, changed my creative life to read. Oh, amazing to read his work and i think sometimes when i listen to these things it's nice when people name drop different things that they like to yeah. you know absorbing um and you guys read and maybe like so yeah. if you've never read raymond carver read raymond carver because yeah, i don't think i ever have beautiful yeah, beautiful storyteller yes he's a you know he's he's a typical american um southwest central writer in the way his themes and stuff but domestic existentialism at its at, at its best he kind of, you know, showed me that you don't have to write about anything for it to be powerful. You can just yeah. write about feelings. Amazing, yeah. But anyway, so that's uh, that would be my final word. Read, read anything said, by Remy Carver. You said that uh, Call Me If You Need Me is mostly short fiction, like it's a collection of them? Call If You Need Me. Yeah, oh, yeah. Call. So he only wrote short stories and some poetry. He wrote poetry, but um, he was a short fiction writer exclusively. Okay, amazing. Wow. I'm always looking forward to So he has to yeah. three or four collections. I can't remember the title of the book that I'm thinking of because one was exceptional specifically, but any of them are really, really good. Oh, sweet. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah thank We're gonna you. You're going to have to look into no that. Problem. that yeah, yeah, you can <laughs> get it. we go to the bookstore. Yes, definitely do that. Okay, guys. 